Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Rick Lyatt. Before Marvin's lesson this morning, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Mark chapter 9, verse 50 from the NIV. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Well, you're not going to believe this, and I'm not saying you should, but my three little dogs came up to me this week with that look of, we've got something to tell you. And I figured out they were trying to tell me something. They're no lassie, but they can tell me things. And so I did what any rational uh, human being would do. I concluded that the twilight bark chain, as championed in 101 Dalmatians, had gone through all of our neighborhoods and landed on my three dogs. And they were the chosen ones to speak to the humans. So I got out my laptop. I opened up Google Translate. They barked into my computer, and I hit print. And this is what this is the message. And hey, it went through the whole neighborhood, so your dog is included. Hey, humans, we've had enough. We're tired of you taking out your frustrations on us. We've been kicked, yelled at, falsely accused, sent out into the backyard and, backyard and sentenced to our crates through no fault of our own. It's not our fault that it is so hard for you to get along with your fellow humans. We're not the ones who talked about you behind your back. We're not the ones who snubbed you at church. We're not the ones who judge your every move. We get it. You're not getting along with your friends. But don't forget, we're your best friends. If you recall, we've been trying to lick your face all week long. Stop taking it out on us. You had us fixed. Now it's time for you to fix your relationships. We won't stand for it anymore. Although we might roll over for a belly rub if you feel guilty and if you change your tone of voice. We hope you will take appropriate action. If not... We do have other ways of expressing our displeasure with you. We hope it doesn't come to that. P.S. Two or three treats and we'll forget the whole thing. Your best friends, signed, Spot, Rex, Bella, Duncan, Jude, Thor, Zeus, Sparkle, Ace, Pip, and Leo, and about 200 other names. Now, if you're visiting, I made that up. That didn't really happen. But I made it up to make a point, and that is, when we don't have peace in one relationship, it's very likely to spill over into other relationships. And dogs are notorious for having it taken out on them. we got to make sure we don't take it out on each other. Today, I want to talk about peace with each other. We've talked about building peace or creating peace with God all the way back at Christmas. For the last five Sundays, we've been talking about the things Jesus spoke so that we might have peace 
in Him, assimilating that peace within ourselves. Today, the next logical step is peace in our relationships with each other. Uh, And this is hard. This is hard. Um, It's something I'm struggling with right now. Now, I've told you before, I'm struggling with almost everything I talk to you about, okay? Uh, But this probably more so than other, even to the point that I wondered if I should even talk today, okay? Uh, But I decided to go ahead because the truths I'm sharing are truths from God, and they're good, even if I'm not living up to them all. In fact, they are truths that I found looking for help for myself in my relationships. Um, And on top of all of that, his power is made perfect in our weakness. Uh, So I didn't want, I wanted to make sure that I didn't come across like I got this figured out. Uh, But I do think we need to listen to God, and I do think we need his power, and I do think it'd be really appropriate for us to pray again right now. So let's do. Father, we need you. We need your guidance to know what's right, because what we want very often is not right. We also very much need your power to follow your guidance. Would you continue to be patient with us as we fall short of your will? And would you continue to transform us so that we'd be closer? And would you help our hearts to be open so that we would listen to you and keep trying to be more like you? We need you, Father. Please help us. Amen. All right, so just as it is God's will for us to have peace in ourselves, it's his will for us to have peace in our relationships. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 3 says, Make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And Mark 9, verse 50, that we just read, says, Be at peace with one another. God really wants us to have peace in our relationships. Don't you want that too? We want that, right? Hey, I've got good news. Here's a place where our will and God's will coincide. Some of the things God says, I don't really want to do. Here's one I do want to do. Uh, and so we can rejoice in that. And I know, I know Romans 12, um, 18 as well, which says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Which seems to say, you may not always be able to do that. But let me remind you that the gist of the verse is, Try to do that. That is what God wants us to do. Um, And that's what we want to talk about today, hard though it is. Um, Most of us struggle to live in peace with others. Um, I got to thinking, why did Jesus say 
and Mark 9:50, be at peace with each other. Is that just standard truth? Well, I think it is. But I also think there's a backstory. And if you back up in the text, you'll find out that they had some occasions for not having peace with each other. And maybe these are some that we will relate to. Like, for example, in, up in verse 33, he says, when, uh, when they came into the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Like the disciples, I think we may argue sometimes about who is the greatest. In fact, I think who is the greatest is the subtext of a lot of our conversations. It's not really about what we're talking about. It's about me trying to convince you that my way is better. The way I do it is better. Uh, Whether it's raising children or picking out a car or telling a joke or understanding God's ways. A lot of times there's a little battle going on about which of us is the greatest. Look a little further down, and you you have Jesus in verse 38 um, being addressed, and they say, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Um, I think sometimes, even though we um, want peace, we have exclusivist attitudes just like they did. Exclusivist attitudes. Um, I before have applied this to churches of Christ having exclusivist attitudes. And I've heard others apply it that way. And I think we need to consider that. I think we also need to consider whether there are little groups of our friends within churches of Christ who have exclusivist attitudes about those who aren't quite as spiritual as we are. Now, we don't say that, but again, I contend that the subtext of a lot of our talking about other people is if only they could be as spiritual as we are. Uh, that does not lead to peace. If you look a little further in verse 42, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Uh, We want peace, but sometimes we cause others to sin as well as sinning ourselves. Um, And I, I could multiply the list, but I'm just saying I think maybe that's why Jesus said be at peace with each other. And I think maybe we relate to some of the very same reasons why they were lacking in peace. But Jesus, the teacher, helps us by warning us how serious sin is. I'm not going to go into that right now. There is some very strong language in this section about how serious sin is, and we need to not forget that. But he also helps us by teaching us a better way, by demonstrating 
and teaching a better way. And that way, according to verse 50, is salt is good, but if anyone loses its salted, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Um, The key or one key to being at peace with others is to have salt in yourselves. Thank you. Just kidding. Needs a little more work, doesn't it? How many of you how many of you put way too much salt on your food? Got a few that will admit to that. How many of you put just the right amount of salt on your food? How many of you don't add any salt at all? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you feel superior to us and want to argue about? (laughs) I don't know that salt has a very good reputation today. Uh, We think of it as high blood pressure, basically, uh, or a crusty old man or a crusty old woman. We say they're a salty old soul. and I gotta, I gotta admit, in verse 49, there's a reference to salt that doesn't sound too positive. Um, I, I don't think that's what he means by salt in verse 50, however. Uh, and there are a lot of different views about what Jesus may have in mind. I decided not to run through those, but instead just to tell you the one that I think is right and for sure the one that most resonates with me, and that is that the meaning of salt is having and displaying the better quality of life that Jesus shows us. I think when he says have salt, he's saying have this different, distinct, better quality of life that I'm bringing to you and that I'm teaching you. Uh, Elsewhere, he refers to it as abundant life, or life to the full, or eternal life, or just life. But I think what he's talking about is that different quality of life that we have in Christ. Uh, One of the reasons I think that is because the word that he contrasts it to is a word, single word that means lost its saltiness. Uh, One word that means lost its saltiness. And that word means dull, flat, tasteless, insipid. Um, The other day, now I have a lot of stories when I wasn't a good boy, but I was a good boy. I brought home some healthy desserts for me and Gail. Again, there are other days. But I brought home healthy desserts. And Gail and I are sitting there eating our healthy desserts. And I said, is it good? And she looked at me and said, you know, desserts have a way of not being that good when you take out all the fat and all the sugar. I'm just saying. And I think that's kind of what this is like. Flat dull, insipid, but in contrast is salt that adds quality and taste. 
there's a couple of other reasons I think that too. I'll let you read those on your own. But what I want to do is go back to Matthew 5, and I want to invite you to turn with me uh, because I think we might need some salt training. And I'm going to let Jesus lead us through some salt training. You may know in Matthew 5.13, Jesus has that famous statement, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be restored? And I think that he's using salt in a similar way in both passages, so that salt is the key to peace. And by looking at Matthew 5, I think we can learn a little bit more about what that salt is. Um, And one thing to be sure and notice in Matthew 5.13 is he says, You are the salt of the earth. Salt is not, first of all, something you do. It's something you are. Now, that will lead you to do different things, but you can't start with the doing. You've got to start with the being. Um, we're not supposed to be human doings. We're supposed to be human beings. And we need to be the salt of the earth, which leads me to a very important conclusion that the key to peace is not conversational skills but character qualities. The key to peace is not conversational skills, but character qualities. Conversational skills will help. I think good conversational skills are better than bad conversational skills. But if we don't have the salt character Jesus describes, conversational skills are not going to do it. Yeah, I know that you think there are two components to salt, right? Sodium and chlorine. And you probably learned that both of those are really yucky by themselves, individually. But I'm here to tell you there's at least eight or nine qualities to spiritual salt. They are the Beatitudes. And I'm also here to tell you that if you will apply this to yourself, they may taste yucky too. They're not so bad when you apply them to other people. But if we're going to have salt training, if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we've got to apply them to ourselves, first of all. So I left you a little space there in case you want to jot down anything. But let's look at the the traits of salt. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Humility creates peace. Thinking we're right about everything or we have no flaws creates dissension. We have to humble ourselves and recognize that we are flawed people, hopefully interacting with each other in a way that helps us both be better. And we also have to recognize that I could be wrong even about whatever it is that's between us. Blessed are those who mourn. I could speculate on what he's talking about. All I want to say today is 
We need to be willing to show each other our weaknesses and our humanity. Whatever he's talking about, mourning about, we need to be real with each other. I think if a man and woman have a fight and, uh, and the woman goes to talk to her friends, the man, the man goes to watch football and orders a pizza, but the woman goes to talk to her friends and she's crying and her friends say, did you cry in front of him? And she says, no, I didn't give him the pleasure. You know, and the guy might say that too, but he's probably not crying anyway. Um, but, but what I'm thinking is we need to be willing to be weak in each other's presence if we're going to have peace between us. Blessed are the meek. Uh, not a celebrated quality in America. Uh, now, meek does not mean doormat. But neither does it mean strength under control, as some of the old commentaries say. Uh, as if Jesus is teaching, blessed are you if you could punch their lights out, but you choose not to. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. The word means gentle, humble, mild-mannered. And it is in contrast to power. If you want to have dissension, put two power people together. If you want to have peace, throw in at least one meat person. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly. Paul appealed to the Corinthians with the meekness of Christ and a, a gentle Spirit is precious in the sight of God, and it builds peace. Six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, we realize we're not perfect. Um, Let me me tell you, if I am this righteous, the person that I'm talking to may be this righteous, or they may be this righteous, But in any case, God is this righteous. So whether I'm a little more, a little less righteous than us, the gap between, than the other person, the gap between me and God is ginormous. And we ought to be trying to help each other be right with God. And, and if you're fussing and fighting about some issue, and you just you say, I just want to be right about this issue. Don't forget that peace is also right. Peace and unity and oneness and love are also a part of the righteousness of the kingdom. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Uh, you know, we talk about giving people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, do, do you give them the benefit of the doubt? Or is that just... Talk. Um, We're supposed to be merciful with each other. And Jesus said it, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If you want to have peace with people, we've got to learn to be merciful toward one another. Blessed are the pure in heart. That continues to be the one that I think I need most work on because I neglected my heart for so many years. Um, 1 Timothy uh, 1 verse 5 says, Love 
comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. If any of those are missing, there will be turmoil inside. And so when I interact with you, it's like kicking my dog, which I don't do, by the way. Um, but if, if my heart's not pure, if I've got, if I'm trying to control you, or if I'm trying to get something from you, or if I'm trying to prove you wrong, my heart's not pure, and I'm not going to be loving to you, and it's not going to create peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9. Um, in our day, that's a negative trait. That means conflict avoider. It's not what Jesus meant. Uh, you, we've heard God wants us to have peace. Jesus wants us to have peace. So you've got a troublemaker over here and a peacemaker over here. Which one do you think is pleasing? God. Uh, now, don't forget that being a peacemaker involves us undergoing salt training. If I want to be a peacemaker, I've got to go through salt training so that I can make peace. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So there, there won't always be peace. Uh, Jesus made that clear, too. And we do need to be right as best as we can, even if we get persecuted for it, even if people say all kinds of unkind things about us for it. I remind you, it's not persecuted for a self-righteous attitude, but persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, and while I'm on the unkind uh, words uh, that people say about each other sometimes, let me, let me encourage you to be real careful about stating why the other person is such an idiot. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about? Why do they, why do they think like that? Why are, you know, we will psychoanalyze other people. Um, may I just remind you of the phrase, Physician, heal yourself. Psychoanalysts, psychoanalyze yourself. You know, maybe we ought to be analyzing why I am the way I am more so than others. So there's, there's more we could say about each of those. All right, let me give you these blanks quickly. Because if you go back to Mark 9, I think you see Jesus doing salt training with the twelve. And so when they're arguing about who's greatest, he, he says the greatest one is the last one. Sounds a lot like poor in spirit to me. And then he brings out a child and says, welcome people that you think have less status than you. So whenever the disciples behave badly and argue about greatness, they should humbly serve and accept people that they think are less than them. That's a salt-like behavior. Um, and instead of having exclusivist attitudes, they should recognize the good that other people can do, even if they're not in my little group. 
And instead of uh, not caring about how we affect other people, they should take sin very seriously, like Jesus says here. Those salt qualities are urged upon us by Jesus, and they will help us be at peace with one another, as he says um, in Mark 9, verse 50. If you picked up a note sheet, I left out number two, but there are a lot of passages that say the same thing. Over and over again in the Bible, the key to unity is salt-like attitudes. I thought about telling a story of a time when I was not at peace with somebody and I, I tried to have a at least halfway salt-like attitude and it all went great. And I could tell a story like that, but I decided not to do that. And here's why. We like we like seeing the videos of the touchdown catch. We like seeing the videos of the knockout performance on American Idol or whatever it is. What we don't get real inspired by is all the work that you have to do before you can have success on those things. And so what I want to do is tell you a quick story about salt training. Let me tell you the glamour of salt training. Set your alarm early. Drag yourself out of bed. Get some coffee. Open your Bible. Open your heart. And pray, God, please transform me and make me poor in spirit. And pray, God, please purify my heart. God, please make me merciful. And all of the others, many other scriptures. And then, do it again the next day. And then, do it again the next day. That's salt training. Uh, And I've learned two things about salt training I want to share. Number one, don't be proud of how humble you're becoming. I'm sure I heard this from someone else. It couldn't possibly have been me who was sitting there thinking, I wonder if those people I'm not getting along with are reading their Bibles right now. (laughs) Pretty sure that means back to basic training. Okay, Uh, and number two that I've learned is what is crystal clear when you're reading your Bible and praying will not remain clear when you're talking to that person. It's a whole different thing. So we got to let God dig that in deep within us. May he do so. May we have salt in us and be at peace with one another. To do that, we need him. We're going to sing about that. There's elders and their wives at the back. If you want to pray about that, let's stand and sing.